You're listening to the Morning Brew with Stu Podcast. And here's your host, Stuart Brooking. And here we go. Welcome to the Morning Brew with Stu. As always, I'm your host, Stuart Brooking. Been a little bit since I put out a podcast. Uh, the last one I did was the reaction to the Batman movie ranking with Jeff Hunt. Football, it's been busy. That's what I, I've been doing. Practice, middle school coach, all that kind of stuff. It's just been nonstop. It's been a lot of work and then off of work or, you know, then working as well. So you have all that kind of stuff. But the unfortunate thing is football season's coming to an end, at least at the high school and middle school level. But not at the college of pro. And we're going to talk college football here today. My guest is the Joel Clatt of my show. It's the host of the Blue Bloods podcast. Maybe the most well-versed college football guy on the on the planet. And the only guy I know that covers FCS more than the FBS is the one, the only Zach McKinnell. Zach, welcome. And it's a shame. I don't know about down there where you're at, but I can tell you here, it's a shame that the high school football season's almost over. Yeah, man, down here, listen, you know how it is in the South. I mean, if if I really feel like if the government and like the state legislator would let the high schools, we play football year round. We still got plenty of time. Uh, state championships are still two months away. So, man, we're still rolling. I think playoffs are kind of circling around. But, man, we're, we're in full swing of things down here. Heck, yeah. I Listen, if I could move to the South, if they make it a year round thing, I think I might move to the South, I'm going to be honest with you. But, uh all right, we're going to talk college football. Uh, I want to hit on some of the top 25 teams, first of all. And the first one I think I want to hit on is, for me, I thought – so I kind of had questions all year, and I had I kind of reserved putting Ohio State any higher than I think fifth was the where I had them in my last top 15 ranking because I wasn't sure really kind of what they were. I thought the defense came out made a statement early on in that Penn State game. I thought they – they made a statement throughout the whole game and to me show what kind of team they can really be. If that offense isn't cooking, that's okay because they have Jim Knowles and that defense and they can really play, you know, and, and kind of keep the score a little lower. What were your thoughts on, on Ohio State after this week or, or just so far this year? Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, the way I put it is it just kind of seems like there's something missing. It's kind of like that it factor that you really can't put your finger on. You really can't quantify, but they, despite, you know, the win over Notre Dame, which hasn't aged, I guess, the best now that Notre Dame's kind of lost a few games here now, but the win over Penn State's undeniable. There was a lot of people talking about that this is one of the best Penn State teams in the last X number of years, wherever you want to quantify that. So, to win that game was big, especially with how they won it. I think if they stay healthy, man, it's just it's all roads lead to that last week of the season against Michigan. I think we both are kind of looking ahead to that one because, I mean, just looking at their schedule right now, I mean, all the like mate, that road trip to Wisconsin this weekend will be interesting just because Wisconsin has always kind of been that team that gets up for those games. And let's be honest, Luke Fickle's a, a heck of a coach. I don't know if he has the talent this year to pull anything off, but He's still a great coach. That's still a tough road environment. But then you look at Rutgers. We know what Michigan State has become with all the chaos with that program. And then Minnesota is, and eh, I don't think they're a true contender. So if they get past this weekend, man, it's all roads lead to Michigan. But I'm interested to see if that defense can keep playing like it's been. Also interesting, can the quarterbacks continue to be consistent? I think McCord's really outplayed his expectations, but I know – um, they got an injury behind them. Is I want to say Brown's out for a few weeks now. So what happens if if McCord goes down? Where do they turn there? I like their running back room, and and we all know what Marvin Harrison Jr. is. He is a problem if you can get him the football. So I think Ohio State's proved all the doubters wrong. I still won't consider them a. This is tough to say because they're undefeated three in the country. I still won't put them in my top three contenders for the national title just yet. Yeah, I we'll see. Um what I do with my rankings when they come out. Cause I'm, I'm high on Washington and we're going to talk about Washington here in a minute, but yeah, I agree with you. I think for me, I had questions. I was like, well, Notre Dame, you know, for what it is, Marcus Freeman has some coaching errors in that one. Uh, if there's 11 men on the field, I'm not so sure they win that game and those types of things. So this, that was a statement win for me for Penn state or for Ohio state versus Penn state. I want to talk about 
the number four ranked team in the country. Because, Zach, here's the thing. I've been doing my top 15 rankings for a couple weeks now, and I've kind of reserved putting this team in the top five, and you can tell me if I'm dumb or not, but I – and that's Florida State. I just think right now, like, yeah, they're a talented team. They're very, very good at what they do. I'm just not – I'm just not sure they're one of the best four teams in the country, in my opinion. I've seen some of the other schools. I think even with one loss, I think Oregon's a better team. I think uh, Washington's a better football team. I think they're better in Oklahoma. I think they're better. I still think Texas is the better football team. But I look at it, what am I missing with Florida State? Am I right or or what? Um, I get it. Listen, it's the same kind of thing that Clemson had to fight until they won that first national championship, and then everyone kind of gave them a benefit of the doubt. Because the ACC is, I mean, what you can probably make an argument right now that it's probably the weakest or second weakest Power 5 conference this year in terms of overall depth, especially because Clemson hasn't been the same. They're sitting at four and three. Louisville's the second best team, but they're not going to get really get any respect North Carolina just got done losing to Virginia last weekend which really put a dent in them and I I, listen I think Duke was a good win for them but let's be honest they were missing their starting quarterback so it kind of dampened that moment for Florida State which could have been a huge win for them and you're looking ahead the good thing for Florida State I will say is I do think they're going to get a good road test that last week of the season because Graham Mertz and Florida have really started to kind of find their rhythm and that could be a solid playoff resume win for them it'll be interesting to see who they face in the ACC championship because I really would like to see that matchup with Louisville because I just don't think North Carolina has the defense to hang with Florida State and I don't think a rematch with Duke is going to go any different Um, but I do think I'll say this they have the offensive talent to win the national title now defensively in the secondary there's a lot to be desired I don't think their linebackers are super strong but let's be honest Jared versus that defensive line it's a problem if your offensive line doesn't come to play they can wreak havoc and I think they have one of the most talented offenses in the country I I'm a huge fan of this guy for the upcoming draft Keon Coleman is an issue at wide receiver and I think he's right there in my opinion he should be right there if Marvin Harrison Jr. talked about as one of the best wide receivers in the country Trey Benson's done a really good job at running back and I think Jordan Travis is kind of underrated when you talk about some of the best quarterbacks in college football he has the dual threat ability but he's been extremely efficient 15 touchdowns only two picks offensively Florida State's there Stu but I get your reservations because what's going to happen with that defense when they go up against a physical downhill attack like a Georgia like a Michigan are they going to be able to keep up with even like an Ohio State or a Washington because I think Penix right now would offer a real problem for the secondary it's just can their defense how far can their defensive line take them and I think that's really going to determine how far Florida State gets this year yeah and people are going to say well Washington didn't look so great versus Arizona or Arizona State whichever team it was they played them listen everybody's allowed to have a bad day I get it um wasn't great, but I still think Washington right now, in my opinion, I, I would because they have them at four. They have Florida State at four. They have Washington at five. I mean, we're talking about splitting hairs here. I would probably put Washington at four still. They're probably my fourth ranked team in the country still when my rankings come out. By the time they're hearing this, it's going to be the same day. But I, I look at it and I say, yeah, Washington to me is a better team. I know they struggled. Zach versus, I think it was Arizona, maybe Arizona State. But yeah. I look at it and say, that's what they, not what they needed, but it was a good reality check for them where it was like, you felt like, okay, hey, we beat Oregon. Now we just have a full, you know, path to the Pac 12 championship. We don't have to worry about anything. We're just going to make it till we get there. And then they kind of got hit in the mouth early. They were like, or at least till the end of the year when they play like Utah, those types of schools. And they were like, you know, they got hit in the mouth early by Arizona. They had to rebound. Penix isn't using his, you know, isn't using his legs. They don't think the way that he was supposed to. They struggled, but they pulled it out. And that's what matters is they pulled out the win. And for me, that's what matters. But were you concerned with what you saw versus Arizona, Zach? Because I'm not. I still think this is the fourth best team in the country. I mean, there's obviously flaws that you would like to see fixed, but 
my thing is, is you look at the undefeated teams in the country. Let's just take the top six. Obviously, there's Air Force and James Madison out there, but they're not competing for the college football playoff right now. Let's take Oklahoma, Washington, Florida State, Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia. The only team that hasn't had a, like, quote-unquote struggle win is Michigan. Yeah. Right now, really, because Georgia didn't look too hot against Auburn a few weeks ago, and they, they really didn't play anyone early, and there were some concerns that they weren't, you know, demolishing teams. Or, you know, they've kind of caught their rhythm now. Ohio State, at man, what, over the first, before that Notre Dame game, there were people wondering if this Ohio State team was going to lose two to three games this year. I mean, yeah. there was a lot of concern with how they looked. Washington just had their struggle game. Florida State, we just talked about it, has has you concerned and many other people with some of their performances. Oklahoma almost got knocked off by UCF this past weekend when Gus Malzahn came in there and was a two-point conversion away from shocking them. And even if you go to the one-loss teams, Texas, Oregon, Bama, Penn State, they've all had their off-week performances. I mean, Alabama almost lost to Arkansas two weeks ago. Yeah. So, so I don't think it's a cause for like we should write them off, but I do think there are some fundamental issues that I would like to see them address. But, man, Stu, me and you both know this: if you have a, if you have the best quarterback in college football, any given weekend you can win if he plays at a hundred percent. And right now, Michael Penix has proven that he is probably the best quarterback in college football right now. Ooh, and if he plays, so? man, did you see what Caleb Williams looked like I the saw, past few weeks? I saw, yeah. It, it it's Michael Penix and everyone else right now. Okay, I like it. I like it. Um, talk about two more teams, and then uh, we can kind of move on from the top twenty-five. Uh, Alabama, I think, really made a statement for me that they're the team. They struggled early versus Arkansas, and they were down twenty-one. I think they played Arkansas this week. Am I correct? Uh, two weeks ago, they two played. They beat ago. Tennessee this weekend. Yeah. yeah. Listen, they played Tennessee. They were down 21-7 going into the half. And then they came out. Jalen Milroe was able to get it going a little bit, hit that deep ball for a touchdown. This is a very reminiscent of those Blake Sims, A.J. McCarron, Jake Coker-type teams where they're going to run the football and try to beat you that way because they don't have the firepower that they have with Tua Tagovailoa that they have with uh, Mac Jones that they have with Bryce Young. So they're not able to beat you deep. But I think they they made a statement in being able to come back, make Joe Milton look like every big-arm quarterback that everybody drools over, inaccurate as heck in the second half, and really kind of made a statement there towards the end. And I think they're making a statement to prove that by the end of the year, it's, it could be them in Georgia, especially if they beat LSU. It could be them in Georgia in the SEC championship. And – if they win, they could be in the playoffs, which is not something I thought two weeks ago. Yeah, I'll be. I, I'm gonna say this because the out. Al, listen, I'm an Auburn alum. I'm all. I'll always support the Alabama disrespect, but it's gotten <laughs> it's gotten completely out of hand. Like the way that I understand that they lost that Texas game. Text that Texas loss does not look as bad with how Texas is rolling. We'll see what they do without Ewers. He's hurt for a few weeks, but. They haven't. I don't understand why everyone just seems like this is a bad team. Milrow's starting to find his rhythm as as a as a passer. I mean, he's not turning the football over through the air. He's becoming more efficient, and I think what's helped him is the offensive line starting to kind of find their rhythm. And also, let's not forget there was a time where there were a lot of question marks on does Alabama have a guy on the outside that can be a game changer. And the emergence of Jermaine Burton and Isaiah Bond have really kind of opened up this offense. Jermaine Burton is a matchup nightmare right now. And then you spoke about it. The defense has finally started to kind of get that Nick Saban edge to it. They're starting to get after the quarterback. They're starting to force turnovers. They're starting to it, – it just looks like Nick Saban's finally figured out how this unit needs to gel. And it's time to put some respect. I mean, we're talking about the greatest college football coach of all time. And after one loss to a top five team, everyone was just ready to say, "Oh man, that this is the worst Bama team in fifteen years," and they might not, they might not win ten games, they might not do this. But now, since that loss, they've won a tough road game against A and M. They demolished Ole Miss, who's a top twenty five team. They demolished Tennessee after after some early first half struggles, and now you're looking at the schedule of. You know, if they can get past LSU in two weeks, it, it it's on in the SEC championship. And I think right now without Alabama's playing, 
with Bowers being out, with Georgia still not necessarily establishing themselves as a true number one team, I think that's a winnable game for Alabama. I don't yeah, know how you feel, I but I did too. And I'm never going to count out Nick Saban. I'm just going to put it like that because, Stu, we've seen it too many times. As soon as Nick Saban is counting out the national championship race, he finds something in a bottle. And guess what? He's going to be standing wherever the national championship is, holding up that trophy, not smiling because he's still not satisfied because he's got to win the next one. And so I think people just were too quick to count out Nick Saban and this Bama team, but they're finding their rhythm. And you're looking ahead of them. Texas, Oklahoma, Oregon, Washington, Michigan, Ohio State play each other. Could Florida State get knocked off in the ACC championship? If they beat Georgia, I don't know how you keep them out. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, we're going to talk about one more top 25 team. Probably my favorite top 25 team in, in this, <laughs> if, if I had to pick one this year. And I think it's going to shock you a little bit because it's not, not, not a blue blood, not a powerhouse. Ooh. So you ready for this? I'm ready. Dude, Utah is a real deal. I've been saying this all year. You, I'm so that, glad. We're that, on the same page. That defense for Utah is the real deal. It's a shame Cam Rising is going to be out the rest of the year. But, man, dude, that oh, that defense. And they made a statement, too. I know that they're the USC kryptonite, all that kind of stuff. But for me, they came in and said, we're going to beat you with our deep. We're just going to smack you in the mouth. We're going to beat you with a walk-on quarterback. And I believe our defense is better than your offense. And I, you know, I have to give Walker Bailey his credit. I think their coach is one of the top five or six coaches in the country. And you know, he said it, and I thought about it. I was like, you know what? I agree. I think he's one of the top five or six coaches in the country. But Utah is the real deal right now, Zach. And they're probably my favorite top twenty-five team this year. Man, I'm so glad that uh, someone's finally on the bandwagon with me on this because I've been saying for probably two, three years now. And I was like, I don't understand why everyone was so hyped about Caleb Williams coming back, Lincoln Riley coming to USC because Stu, I, I think I might even said this on your show, going back to even his Oklahoma days, he struggles with defensive oriented teams. Look at those Baylor games against yeah. Dave Aranda. Go back and look when he went up against an SEC team in the college football playoff. Just go back and look when he plays tough, physical teams. He struggles consistently, and I don't understand this blind loyalty to Alex Grinch as a defensive coordinator. He should have been fired while they were at Oklahoma, and he's still here putting putting up putting subpar defenses out there that they do. He listen, he recruits talent, and they slowly improve, but they're never a championship defense, and that's the issue. And then two, Lincoln Riley finds great. If, if Lincoln Riley is the best coach in the country, if you quantify it by developing quarterback talent and winning Heisman's, yeah. give it to him. That's great. But if you want a championship coach, he's not that. He's never been that, and I don't know if he ever will until he adjusts to this college game because I, I just hate everyone's giving USC these passes because, like you said, they lost to a third-string walk-on quarterback. Yeah, walk-on quarterback – and it's time to put some respect on Utah, man. I mean, they have come out. Their one loss is to Oregon State, who's, what, a top 12 team right now, who's looking yeah. really good with DJU. They lost 21-7. to Their defense held them to 21 points and just couldn't get it done on the road. But they have a win over Florida, who looks really good right now. They have a win over UCLA. They have a win now on the road against USC. And they still have two big matchups, Oregon on the road against Washington. Even if they go one and one in those matchups, I think they, I think they will. There's an opportunity they could go two and zero, oh, but I think there's a good. They're going to win one. I don't see them going zero oh and two in those two matchups. Like I see them going no. one and one at least. I see them splitting it. I'm not sure they go two and zero, oh, but they're not going to go zero oh and two. That that Oregon game is interesting because I don't know if you remember, Stu. It was about two years ago. They played Oregon in the regular season, then played them in the Pac-12 championship. They dominated Oregon both times. Like. This is a team, especially with Whittingham, that's kind of had Oregon's number in the yeah. biggest games. So especially in the regular season. So that could be one this weekend that's very interesting. Going on the road to beat Washington is tough. That's just a tough place to play. Yeah. But especially with in, in their defense, they do have a real good defense. We saw what Michael Pence looked like versus a team that can come out and hit you in the mouth. Arizona State came out, punched him pretty early. He kind of panicked a little bit, didn't look great, didn't look like the Michael Penix we had seen all year. And the defense for Utah is a real deal. 
and they're really well coached and they're rolling right now and they got all the confidence in the world. So yes, it's a tough place to play, but I think Utah has got the right makings to go in there and get the upset. I'm not saying they will, but I think they have it, what it takes to do it. I'm with you that they are built like a team to give Washington issues. I mean, I'll, I'll be, I'll be honest as deep as the PAC 12 is. Cause you look at the USC's, you look at the Oregon's to Washington's to Utah's, the one team that I really wouldn't want to face because of how grimy physical they are is Utah. All yeah. the other teams kind of bring the same. I, I think I will say this Oregon is built kind of because Oregon's defense is that good too, where, and they got the bow Nicks and they got the ex, explosive weapons on the outside. So Oregon's a little bit different, but Washington's a finesse team. USC's a finesse team. Utah's just going to come out there and try to dirty the fight up They're They're, they're just going to make it a hard fought game. I like them to win the Pac-12, Stu. I'll be honest. I won't be surprised if at the end of the year, winning Whittingham finds another way to get another Pac-12 championship. With two, I, I think I think they'll do it. But I think they'll do it probably with two. If they do it, they do it with two losses. I think. Listen, I I tell you this. I just because I do think they split that. I'm not sure who they beat and who they lose to, whether it's Oregon or or Washington. But I I don't see them going two and zero in that that stretch there. But I will say this, Zach. It makes me upset a little bit for Utah fans and for Utah because I just know if Cam Rising – Cam Rising is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. He was yeah. in my early quarterback draft rankings coming out. I love the kid. I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. If he was there, I think Utah is undefeated right now. I think they're rolling, and they're probably a top five or six team in the country. But he's not there. They're doing this rotational door. But uh, I'm not sure if his eligibility is up or not. I'm not sure if he gets another year, but because he's been hurt all year, but if so, I hope he comes back next year and I hope Utah is able to build off of what they've been building. Yeah. I think he gets an injury red shirt this year, if I'm not mistaken, is what I read, but I mean, Stu, they rank 120th in the country right now in passing offense. If Cam rising was healthy, they're definitely probably in the top 50. Think about the difference offensively that is for a team. And then you got the defense giving up what 15 points per game, 14 points per game, something like that. So this team, in my opinion, would be undefeated at this point of the season. I think and so. if Camp Rising was healthy, there's a strong chance they go 2-0 and in that Oregon-Washington stretch. And I don't see Arizona, Arizona State, or Colorado beating this team already. If you give them Camp Rising, there'd be no chance. Yeah, I, I completely agree. All right, let's continue into this Lincoln-Riley-USC talk. Listen, I kind of agree. You know, I think offensive-wise, and this is the same argument Ohio State fans have about Ryan Day. I think offensive scheme wise, he's one of the best coaches in the country that way. You know, he's right now he's doing this little like triple option, modern day triple option arrow screen thing where he kind of reads the end like it's a zone read, pulls it out. And then they got a little running back or tight end or or H back running a little arrow route. And if the defense goes with the arrow, uh, old boy, Caleb Williams would keep it, go up the field. If they come to Caleb, would dump it off. It's been dangerous. They ran it versus Stanford like four times and Stanford couldn't stop it every single time so you know you look at the scheme and you look at those types of things he's really really good but i'm with you i don't know what it is about this blind loyalty he has to alex grinch i don't know if he like has dead bodies hidden somewhere and grinch knows that knows it and he can't really fire him because if he does so he'll, he'll leak it out or what but that's a joke by the way i don't want anybody coming out here clipping that and but all that kind of stuff but it's just a joke but i I'm not sure what the blind loyalty to Alex Grinch is, but he's got to figure it out because you're going, I can tell you this much, you're going to the big 10 next year. And as I know, Iowa doesn't have an offense, but they have a defense. And if you think Iowa won't go in there and and punch them in the mouth and hold them to maybe 15 or 16 points and give themselves a chance to win, they will. If you don't think Penn state will do it, they will. Purdue could do it as well, especially if Purdue figures out the quarterback situation like they have in years past. Like, I look at it and I think the future, if they don't get rid of Alex Grinch, is not going to be bright down there in Southern California. No. Like I said, and I said this uh, when I was asked about this this move, Oregon will be fine. Washington. Because Oregon, be fine. Yeah, Oregon, Washington, like the teams like that will be okay. This USC finesse attack, it, I just don't see how it's going to work because especially – you look at Michigan's DNA. You look at, like you said, Penn State, Wisconsin, Iowa. These run first even, downhill. Even Nebraska, like Matt Rule's got Nebraska rolling right now. So even yeah. Nebraska 
would be, you know, give him another year, another two years, you start having to play a Matt Rule team with this. Like, I'm not so sure Nebraska wouldn't get go in there and get a couple upsets. Well, look at look at their like I said, he struggles with defensive minded coaches. Do we forget Marcus Freeman's a pretty damn good defensive coach too? Held them to twenty points a week ago, yeah. As well, forced what three first half interceptions for Caleb yeah. Williams. It was two bad games for him. I know that sounds crazy because I mean his bad games are probably decent games for like sixty five percent of the country, but it's still. They just don't. They just don't have that if factor. I just. I don't know what Lincoln Riley has to do. Changing defensive coordinators is the first step. I want. I mean, they've allowed thirty-four points against Utah, forty-eight against Notre Dame, who offensively struggled against Ohio State just what a week or two ago. Before yeah, I that don't game. think quarterback wise. And here's the thing, quarterback wise, I was a big Sam Hartman guy coming in coming into this year, and he hasn't done a whole lot. He didn't do a whole lot in that game, and they still be, put up forty-eight points on you. Yeah, and then 41 to Arizona, 41 to Colorado, 28 to Arizona State. The only team they really shut down was Stanford. They allowed 28 points to San Jose State. I mean, it's just bad defensively, and it's going to cost them because, and this is why I said everyone was kind of hyping them up coming into the season. And my bold prediction, I was on a show, they told me to give one bold prediction. I said, USC's not making the playoffs. They just, they're not going to. Well, you're Oregon's right. too. Oregon's too physical, and then Utah's too physical, and then I think Washington is going to catch them too. I mean, you're looking at the rest of their schedule. Washington on the road at Oregon, UCLA. I wouldn't be surprised if they lost those last three games. It's possible. It's very possible. Oregon and Washington are better teams than USC. Right now, yeah. I I, I thought even coming into the year they were. Like, I I get that you have Caleb Williams, but – Outside of maybe wide receiver, I think Washington gets the wide receiver edge over USC. Anyway, Washington has the most underrated wide receiving core, possibly in the country. They're three, four deep. But what position do you give USC the advantage of, other than quarterback, maybe against Oregon? None. I, I think Dan Lanning right now is a better coach. Uh, right now, I just I again we talked about scheme, those types of things, but I think building a team. Building a a culture, I think he's done a better job than Lincoln Riley has. So right now, I would say, yeah, I agree. Yeah, so I, I think I'll, it'll be interesting to see, but I, I'm really interested to see what happens the rest of the year because they're sitting at six and two. I think they beat Cal. I don't. I just don't think Cal is that type of team. But if you're sitting at seven and four going into UCLA, what's the narrative around the program? How's that going to impact recruiting? What what is that going to do in terms of people wondering about the future of this program? Because I going to the Big Ten, going to the Big Ten, Ohio State, Michigan are trending upwards. Yeah, uh, Penn, Penn State. State trending upwards. Uh, when, I, I'm telling you, it's year one. Luke Fickle is going to have Wisconsin playing a lot better next season. And I'm Matt, I'm on the Nebraska Matt Rule yep. train. I think Matt Rule is going to turn them around. I'm not saying they're ever going to compete for a national championship and get back to the you know, those types of days. But I think if you're telling me they can't make it as high as the 15th ranked team in the country at some point, I think you're lying. Uh, I think he's going to get them turned around in a couple of years and you look at it and it's just like, you're going to have Wisconsin, like you said, Nebraska. I mean, Purdue's been a pretty good team, you know, eight and two, eight and three, seven, four, every single year. If they get a, if they get back to producing quarterbacks like they have been here of late, it could be tough for for USC versus Purdue as well. It just it's not looking good for them transferring to the Big Ten. No, I, I'm just interested to see because he's getting paid too much. They put too much capital into this, and if you're not producing conference championships, national championships, the patient's running thin eventually. Here's an here's here's something for you. They 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 fired Clay Helton. And they hired Lincoln Riley because they thought Lincoln could take him to the national championship. And the two years he's been there, do you know what his record is? Not, I mean, not it's much better. 17 and five. <laughs> That's not what you hired Lincoln Riley to do. It's not what you're paying him all the money to do is be 17 and five. You paid him to fight for national championships and 17 and five isn't doing it. 
No, 11 and three last year wasn't. I mean, especially that I get it. People are going to discount it because it's a bowl game, but all his top players played. Caleb Williams played. All these players played, and Tulane went out there and beat you. Head yeah. up. You lost to Tulane, and then you lost to Washington. I mean, uh, uh, Utah in the conference championship game, and you blended on uh, Caleb Williams' injury. But the only reason he got hurt is because your offensive line was terrible. Yeah. So it's like, and so you're looking at this year. I, I would be, I mean, if he's sitting what? Uh, they got probably two more wins on the schedule. So I'll put him at 19 and then three more losses at least. I mean, 19 and eight is not what they hired you for. No. With, ze- with zero conference championships, zero playoff appearances. And at the end of the year, they won't be in the um, AP top 10 or the college football playoff top 10. That's two straight years without top 10 finishes. And And they look across the way and they say, well, you have – a guy who's likely going to be the number one quarterback in the draft, who a lot of people are saying best quarterback since Trevor Lawrence, maybe the best since Andrew Luck. Let's calm down on some of these comparisons here. But what, you know, the number one quarterback in this draft class, and they're going to look across the way and see Utah win it again with a guy who's a walk on or a rotational door. Like that doesn't sit well if I'm the athletic director at USC. No, and I mean, look at their recruiting now. They're 18th in the country right now for the 2024 class. They're behind Auburn, Clemson, Miami, Michigan, Penn State, Oregon, Tennessee, Notre Dame, A&M, Alabama, Florida State, Florida, Ohio State, Georgia are just some of the teams they're behind. I mean, just to put in perspective, the three teams behind USC right now in the rankings are South Carolina, Arkansas, Ole Miss. Yes. They're recruiting at the same level as South Carolina right now. Yeah. Not gonna that's not gonna do it because it you can you can you know build your program. This is only year two, but Kirby Smart lost to Vandy his first year, but guess what? He had a top three recruiting class the next year. Nick Saban losing to Louisiana Monroe his first year. Top ten, top, you know, three recruiting class the next year. These you got to start recruiting at a higher level if you're gonna get off with, you know finishing outside the top 10 every year and not winning conference championships. I completely agree. Let's talk about another coach who I think has completely lost it as far as where we look at him in the grand scheme of things. And that's Dabo Sweeney. And I sent you the show rundown, kind of what I want to talk about. And the topic I put was Dabo has lost the locker room. And I say that Zach, because of this, you watched the end of that game, the, the, the K club, Nick stop, Miami wins it, all that kind of stuff. And then you listen to Dabo talk about what the play was supposed to be. It was not an RPO. It was not a zone read. It was none of that. It was a straight handoff. And Cabe Klubnik kept it himself, rolled out, got stopped, game's over, Miami wins. That, to me, Zach, says that Cade lost all faith in this coaching staff. That when the call came in, he said, man, it's a dumb call. I think this is the better option. I'm going to go try to win it. I'm not saying he has the right to do that. I'm not saying it's not a benchable offense. In my opinion, it is. But what I'm getting at is, you know, Trevor Lawrence never would have done that. I don't think Deshaun Watson ever would have done that. But Dabo has lost this locker room. I feel like I think he's lost the... uh, the team, I, I'm not so sure this fan base believes in him anymore. He won two national championships. They've been one of the top teams in the country for the last however many years. So it's going to be very, very hard to say, you know, he's on the hot seat or time to walk him, you know, time to fire him or anything like that. But I think his time is up. I think I, I hate that whole, like, we need a new voice in the locker room stuff because I think it's dumb. Like, that's just dumb. When you hit me with that stuff, but I do think in this time, maybe it is, maybe they, they are tired of Dabo and his refusal to, to work with the transfer portal has cost him. And we're seeing it now, but I think Dabo's lost this locker room because K club doesn't make that call. If, if he has faith in this coaching staff and then Dabo Sweeney. A thousand, 1 million percent agree on that. I mean, we're going on four consecutive years that now Clemson has lost two or more games, three consecutive years with three plus losses. They have a losing record right now, Stu, in ACC play in one of the worst years of ACC that we've had recently in terms of depth. 
behind Florida State. We just talked about that. And you're looking, and they've lost, what, two out of their last three bowl games. They're slowly kind of falling down the rankings, kind of. You know, last year they won the, a- they won the ACC, but I, they weren't even top ten in the country. Had three losses and lost to Orange Bowl. And it's just, like you said, it's it's his failure to evolve. I think what gets lost when you look at Nick Saban and his trajectory he won national look at how he won his early national championships compared to how he won national championships in the second half of his tenure at Alabama. It was defense defense. Let's just get some Joe blow dude off the street to play quarterback. That's not going to even be top 50 in the country, but our defense is going to be NFL caliber and we're going to have 11 guys that are going to get drafted. And we're just going to hold you to f- seven points per game and just suffocate you and run the football with Derek Henry, Mark Ingram, you know, whoever you want to put back there. But then he saw the evolution of college football, the hurry-up offenses, this fast pace. We have to score. What does he do? He goes out and gets Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian, and those guys, Mike Loxley. And guess what? They got Tua. They got Jalen Hurts. They got Mac Jones. They got well, Bryce Jaylen, Young. I will say Jalen did fit that mold. He didn't become the, the passer until he went to and Lincoln Riley. Uh, Agree, but th- that's Oklahoma. also when Bama was kind of losing. Like they, 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 they had to make that change. The nat- national championship change is where it all happened. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, when he put Tua in, it was it was a, it was a wrap after that, and it was Nick Saban's ability to evolve. Nick Saban's always been outspoken about the transfer portal, but guess what he did? He has he has some needs at wide receiver this year, didn't he? Yeah. I guess he went out and got some dogs at wide receiver, and it's paying off. He went out and got some def- defensive players, linebackers, Henry uh, Toto last year, some of these guys. Davo Sweeney's failure to evolve with college football is what's keeping Clemson down right now. He doesn't want to buy into the NIL. He doesn't want to buy into the transfer portal. He doesn't want to, you know, it, just all these things. He's so stuck in his ways. And, Stu, me, me and you have watched cover college football for a long time. Coaches who fail to evolve eventually get left behind. I think, and, yeah, go ahead. Oh, and I will say, and then on top of that too, his, I, I hate to say this. I think he, I think he's a good dude. I think what gets played up is that he's not a good guy. Cause it comes off kind of corny sometimes. I just don't know if he's connecting with the players more so than some of these younger coaches that we're seeing, like the Dan Lannings, the, the um, Marcus Freeman's the Kirby smarts. Those guys seem like they're connecting to the recruits. And there, it doesn't come off as I, I, I don't want to say fake because I don't think he's a fake person, but it it connects more to me. It seems more genuine, and it's like if you're not evolving, you're not connecting with the recruits, and now you're not winning on the field. I don't think Clipson ever fires him because man, he's what one sixty five and like forty as a head coach, won national championships. Clipson was a dumpster fire before him, and they took a chance on him. So I do think he has loyalty. Well, they're a dumpster I, fire now too. Yeah, I'm, but the sad part is at four and three, that's still probably the best season they would have had from like 2002 to 08 right. when he You're got right. there. You're so, right. I mean, it, it's it's Clemson has no other place to go. He'll have a statue one day there. They'll probably name the stadium after him. But Clemson has to do something, and I think something that was overlooked, Stu, do you remember what this team's looked like since Tony Elliott and Brent Venables left? Not great. And now I get Tony Elliott, probably not going to make it much longer at Virginia. They did beat North Carolina, but that's a ticking time bomb there. Venables is doing his thing at Oklahoma, but I think we kind of downplayed how good his assistants were, and he failed to replace them with good – like, he didn't pull the Saban and replace Kirby Smart with, like, the next great defensive court. Like, he didn't make A1 a hires, and so I think that's something else that kind of get lost in translation when looking at the downfall of Clemson and Davo Sweeney right now. I agree. So – I'm going to move on to this before we get into the FCS talk, this Michigan stuff that's going on. Um, a lot of people are like, you're getting mad about stealing signs. I don't know if this is true or not. I believe it was Joel Klatt. I also don't want to misquote somebody, but I think it was Joel that was talking about on the herd, how it's more than just that, how they were sending guys to games and yes, they were still in signals or whatever, but they were kind of seeing, you know, what they do when teams run off the field or when they, when they sub a guy off the field, what you do in this situation, those types of things, the things that are not shared on film, the things that when you, when coaches share film that aren't there, that can help you give the advantage. Now, again, don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's everything. I heard that. I believe it was by Joel Klatt. 
I don't want to misquote either, but I'm just saying it, it's more than just sign stealing. Cause I agree. If it was just sign stealing, it's kind of a dumb thing to be like all upset about, but it's more than that. And as more information comes out about Michigan, this could be, I'm not saying a fireable offense, but we could see them suspended. We could see Harbaugh suspended again, potentially if, if this keeps going the way I think it's going to go. Yeah. You know, it's kind of, the reason I kind of hate stories like this is because like there's what's reported, what actually happened. And then like, it's just, there's just so many people yeah. trying to kind of blow it out of proportion, especially because the pages that don't like Michigan are going to act like they were out there stealing the nuclear codes from the white house. <laughs> and then the Michigan people are going to say that they just went to attend the game for fun and saw the, saw the signs or whatever it is. I just, <laughs> I'm with you. I'm I'm torn on it because I like Zach uh, uh, Mississippi State's head coach Zach Arnett said today he was like sign steal like do we all is is that illegal? Can like are we not supposed to scout what you're calling? And it's kind of like that baseball argument where which I hate that baseball has those unspoken rules and it's like there's rules of baseball. These unspoken rules are dumb. Get rid of your unspoken rules and just go by the rules of baseball. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you, but it's like, okay, I get that, you know, doing it like um, electronically or whatever yeah, is yeah. is kind of, uh, that should be illegal. You can't just go and film stuff, but in if the midst of during the game, you aren't changing up your signals and we catch on to that, that's kind of on you, right? Well, they do it in the NFL all the time. I, yeah. What do you so think I guys think like I, Peyton would like, Omaha would mean eight different things. They would say... One week, Papa John's could mean we're going deep, and then next week, Papa John's means we're running, we're running the football because teams listen to those things and people teams do those types of things. So I agree. I think it's dumb, but if it's more than just sign ceiling, then then there's something to it. I, I do know that the big issue is it. There is an NCAA rule banning the like use of equipment to record signals, which is which is based on what I read. What happened? where they were sending people to games to record like future opponents. And that's illegal. It's like, you can't go in person scouting a future opponent, a future opponents, especially in season. That is, that is instead of rule. I do know that it's in the bylaws. So the fact that they were sending somebody to games and the fact that uh, the thing that aggravates me is if you're going to cheat, at least do it good. You <laughs> bought tickets and like kept receipts of you going to places you knew you weren't supposed to be on camera. Like it's just like, it's the, it's just like the arrogance of, Oh, we're not going to get caught, but you do it the dumbest way possible. Like that's the most aggravating part of it, but you can't do that. And I, I do what I, what I hate to say, Stu is it's going to happen just like it always does. The guy who felt desperate to accept this order from whoever ordered him to go do it is going to be the fall guy. Yeah, he's gonna Which get fired. He, sh he should be punished. I get it. He should be punished, but his career is probably over. But the people who came up with the scheme, came up with what needed to happen, all the upper people who are already proven, established in their roles, whether it's Harbaugh, coordinators, whoever, whoever kind of sent this down, because this lowly assistant didn't come up with this by himself and just yeah. like took it on himself to go do this. The thing that's gonna suck is that the the quote unquote little guy. His career is over. He's going to be the fall guy. And Stu, we both know with how good Michigan is, Harbaugh isn't going anywhere. No. He might serve. He might serve that same four or five game suspension at the beginning of the season. Be back in time for tough conference play. Might get a fine. Might get some recruiting violation. Whatever it may be, but he's going to be okay. And the assistant and some other office people are going to lose their jobs because of his lack of institutional control. And it's sad, but. I'll be honest, I, I won't be shocked if this is how it turns out. I agree. All right, let's transfer, or let's transition, how I say, <laughs> over to uh, FCS Talk. That's where you that's where you cook. That's where you're the best. The top 15 are, are South Dakota State, Montana State, Furman, UIW, Montana, Delaware, Sacramento State, Idaho, South Dakota, North Carolina Central, North Dakota State, Southern Illinois, UT Martin, Florida A&M and Chattanooga. Um, I follow Southern Illinois a lot because I'm, uh, 
I'm friends with the uh, play-by-play guy there. I know they've had a relative, relatively good year. I know the coaches got them cooking over there, but South Dakota State, man, is playing really good football right now. And they're the number one team in the country at the FCS level. I don't think it's close, but it Montana State's playing good as well. How close is it between those two teams? Uh, I've went back and forth. <laughs> if you would have asked me last week, it would have been South Dakota State and everybody else. But Montana State this past weekend just demolished the number three team in the country, Sac State on the road, 42-30. They, th- these two teams played, Stu. South Dakota State hosted Montana State in week two. Montana State went on the road and lost that game by four, and it came down to a Hail Mary attempt where the wide receiver had a controversial review. Montana State could have won that game. So I saw it, and to do that on the road, I think I think it's 1A, 1B. I mean, South Dakota State's just loaded, Stu. The defense is suffocating. They have a, they have one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the country, and uh, Mark, Mark, uh, Mark Gronowski – they they just they just have it all, man. And their offensive line's big, physical. It's it's a FBS offensive line. I mean, I saw. I want to say it was it Bill Conley that did like the three hundred team ranking where they combine like FCS and FBS schools and everything. He had South Dakota State ranked like thirty something in the country right now. And I, I last year, Stu, they went into Iowa and lost that game by six points. Yeah, I think I, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know if Iowa would score on a high school football team. Yeah, the, well, no, they didn't lose by my bad. It was seven to six. They lost by one point, and the touchdown I want to say was like a punt return. So, <laughs> I mean, but the reason I like Montana State too is because this is they got the best rushing attack. FBS, FCS, D two. I say D3. their running back's a stud, isn't he? Julius Davis. He came from uh, Wisconsin, but yeah, Stu, for the second straight year. They're averaging 325 plus yards per game on the ground, eight yards per carry as a team. I just, what do you do with that? They've played, yeah. I mean, and they haven't played just nobody. They played South Dakota State on the road. They played a ranked Weaver State team on the road. They played the number three team in the country on the road in Sacramento State. So they're playing some of the top teams in the country and they're rolling. I will say, I think it's one, a one B and then there's a little bit of a drop off. And then just me personally, I think Furman established themselves this past weekend as the number three team in the country. I was at their game. They went on the road and played a really good Western Carolina team with a uh, Kerwin Bell as head coach, who I think is due for a power five shot as a head coach. But Furman just has that DNA, man. And the FCS is different than, I don't know if it's a true difference in FBS, but the top FCS teams to win in the playoffs, you need a big physical offensive line. You need to control the line of scrimmage defensively. And then if you're a run first team, it can control the clock, especially with this new clock rule. That's the key. And Furman has that DNA, even though they're a SOCON team. And some of it's weird, Stu, because in the FBS, the Southern teams kind of get the benefit of the doubt, right? The SEC teams are kind of yeah, like it doesn't matter what they do. It's the opposite in the FCS because all the good, all the great teams are up in like the Northwest, the Dakotas, the Montanas. But Furman's kind of breaking the mold. So I'm really interested to see what they do this weekend. But there's some good games this weekend. Montana State goes on the road to Idaho, who's a top 10 team. Um, it's going to be a huge game over there in the Kibbe Dome. So I think there'll be another big test for Montana State. Yeah, I somehow got, I don't know how, probably because I was following you, and I somehow got stuck on Montana State's like Instagram page. So I've been following <laughs> Montana State. And yeah, I knew their running back's a stud. He's one of the best running backs in the country. I think maybe at all levels, one of the best running backs in the country. The crazy part is, I mean, this is his first year there. That hurdle was ignorant, by the way. I mean, he hurdled. The, I don't know how he jumped that high and how he kept running. But, I mean, Stu, right now they have five players over 200 yards rushing, all averaging seven yards per carry or more. And and the crazy part is that running back that you saw on Saturday night that took the starting job, he hasn't even been the starter all year. He's the third highest rusher on that team. Their quarterback, who didn't even play this past weekend, leads the team with 500 yards rushing and 11 touchdowns. Yeah, and they're they're cooking right now. Hey, I, another team I think that's really got going, and again, I said I follow them because I know their play-by-play guy is Southern Illinois. I think Nick Hill has got that team rolling right now, and they're, the Salukis are 
are one of the best, you know, teams at, at, at that level in the country. Talk about Southern Illinois and, and kind of what they've been doing this year. That was a team that coming into October was a top five team, in my opinion. And then I don't know what happened. That young, I still don't understand what happened in that Youngstown State game. I can't explain it. They had a big win over Austin P to start the season. They knock off Northern Illinois, which was an FBS win. Impressive. They beat a top 15 team in SEMO week three. They're rolling. They get to that Youngstown State game. And Stu, that game, I don't, I, I, I can't explain it. A hundred total yards in that game. Six total rushing yards in that game. And they get beat 31 to three. Yikes. I don't know what happened. They bounced back against Murray State, but they're a playoff team, Stu. They, they uh, hosted South Dakota State last weekend for homecoming, and they played them really closely. It was 17-10. to 10. And I think the fact that they competed that well with South Dakota State showed that this team has potential. I think looking ahead, Western Illinois is a bottom feeder. That's a win for them. They have a tough game against South Dakota on the fourth, a tough road trip to North Dakota State. They'll beat Indiana State. Oh, I think they'll, they'll, yeah, they'll spank Indiana State. So if they win two of their last four, they're guaranteed. If they can win all four, they have a shot to possibly earn a top eight seed. So I think they're a lot for the playoff as long as they do what they need to do over the final four weeks of the season. I agree. All right. Hey, listen. You can't get FCS talk anywhere else except for here in the Blue Bloods podcast. So, hey, big thank you for coming on, talking college football. Nobody else I'd rather talk college football with than you, Zach. You're the best in the biz at what you do. Before you go, before I let you go, let people know where they can find you, what you're working on, all the good stuff that you do over there for the Blue Bloods. Man, you already know I love coming on here, chopping it up with you, man. Yeah. I, I make time, I'll make time any time of the year, day, anything for you, man. But, uh, yeah, you can find us the Blue Bloods podcast, um, YouTube podcast, all pla- podcast streaming platforms at the underscore Blue Bloods on all social media. We just partnered with uh, Sports Illustrated Fan Nation, so we got the FCS Football Central site on Sports Illustrated up and running. You can find all the stuff there. It's si.com backslash college backslash FCS. So you can check out myself. We got our first contributor, Timothy Rosario, putting out amazing content. Myself, my guy, Coach Leroy Frederick, have the Coach's Corner on the Blue Bloods, the, one of the only shows with an active college coach, man, my guy over there at Alcorn State. Each week we do a recap and preview, but, but you can find me at Zach McKinnell on social media. But, Stu, man, I appreciate you. Yeah, man. Hey, nobody else I'd rather talk college football with. Listen, I will say this, and this is what I'm going to end on. We won't get into the weeds on this. We'll save it for the next time, which is, hey, I guess if there was a year that the college football playoff should have been a thing, I guess it should have been this year, right? Oh, man. Hey, you're on the bandwagon finally, man. You see my vision, Stu. You see my vision. (laughs) Hey, man. Have a great day. Enjoy it. Keep up all the good college football work. Love following your stuff. We'll revisit in a couple of weeks. Head probably heading into, you know, towards the end of the year, some of the big matchups that we'll we'll have. But uh, I'll have you back on towards the end, and we'll talk about college football, man. Sounds great, man. All right, see you later.